Welcome everybody to Way of Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, 100 of the greatest bloody matches in professional wrestling history, and a writer on the Segunda Caeta blog. Uh, I am uh, pleased to be joined by a fellow podcaster, Mike Dick, from the Virtual Pro Podcast and the First 7-inch seven seven Club uh, <laughs> Punk Rock Podcast and an old DVD VR poster. And we are here to talk about Phoenix versus Mil Muertes from Lucha Underground. Um, March, I believe the air date was March 18th, 2015. I don't think we actually know when any of these matches were taped. That's the kind of thing about Lucha Underground. It, uh, taped, it, I think, at some point in January in 2015. Uh, Mike, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad. I'm honored to be on the show. Uh, little, uh, I guess this is a shoot, little backstage stuff, but uh, I don't really know Phil, so <laughs> I don't know um, if your past guests outside of the the more famous people or people you just know. So um, I'm, I'm very honored to be on, even though I'm just basically a stranger to you. Okay. That's well, we'll be friends at the end of this. I would, I, I would imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know some people, I don't know some people are kind of a, kind of a mix of a uh, mix of old, old friends. And then other people who I, who've done interesting things. It's kind of how this podcast usually works. I, I know some don't know other ones and some people I know a little bit before some people I know a lot before, but wish I didn't know as well. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a nice mix. Yeah. <laughs> so you get, we can talk a little about you. you you, you had a, a podcast for how many years was your wrestling podcast for? Uh, it, virtual pros was for, it, it actually started. The reason I wanted to do this match is because uh, the podcast started actually a little after this match happened. Uh, and it's kind of so it's kind of sentiment, sentimental to me. And we're we're on indefinite hiatus since last WrestleMania. So um, we'll be back someday, but just just not today. Okay. Um, you took about a, six years. Yeah. Okay, so you've been doing it for a long time, and you took a hiatus. Did you just get a a pandemic related hiatus when your co-host died of COVID or something like that, or <laughs> nothing that bad? <laughs> Al, the other the other guy on the, on the podcast was also in old death valley driver poster um he you know he got he got more real life stuff and we're just kind of like you know wrestling is kind of a seedy business <laughs> so uh talking about it every other week i got a uh, you know kind of grading after a while so i think we just both needed a little break from it okay well you're back now yep, back about was... some, something that is certainly seedy i mean uh yes, yes. <laughs> like I, you know it's interesting it's seedy and it isn't right that's the weird thing about lucha underground i mean they certainly do a very good job of of uh, it's staged managed CD, right? It's in a filthy, dirty club that looks uh, like uh, you could get tetanus from getting cut on the things, but that's also like a Hollywood uh, set designer put it together. So, so it was a weird thing, uh, yes. especially like looking back on it, you know, uh, three or four years after it's, it ended, um, mm-hmm. that this kind they tried to do, you know, it was sort of Lucha, sort of wasn't Lucha. I mean, these guys are obviously both have long uh, histories in Lucha Libre. You know, Phoenix didn't have such a long history before this match, obviously a bigger one afterwards. And Mil Muertes is a guy who was a, started out in Puerto Rico, but but wrestled obviously in Mexico a lot. And had some big matches in there. So this was, a, this was I think, some of the more, tra- more traditional Lucha Libre-ish matches of the ones that they ran. Like this was, you could take this and tr- put it on a AAA show. Uh, pretty much move for move, and it wouldn't be out of out of uh, place. Whereas I think some of the other things they did were were more like PWG matches, uh, yeah. really than 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 straight lucha. 
Um, is there anything with Lucha Libre? How, what was your sort of Lucha Underground experience? Like, how, how, what, what was your, was it was something you were a big fan of? Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much. So like I said, this was right before we started doing our Virtual Pros podcast. And I was in one of those ruts where I wasn't really watching too much wrestling. Basically just like NXT and, uh, you know, like Wrestle Kingdom every year or something like that. And um, so this started and I was like, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. And I watched, you know, the first few episodes are fine. They're not great. And then I think uh, it's the the Aztec, the, their version of the Royal Rumble was like the sixth or seventh episode. And I was like, okay, the, now it's clicking. Now I get it. And I, I believe this this match was the episode right after that or like an episode, a couple episodes down. And this is like, this is what hooked me on Lucha Underground was this match. And uh, I loved it. I thought the first season I thought was great. The second season I thought dragged a little too long. And uh, the third season, I was like, they should end it right here. And, and unfortunately, we know they did another season that uh, wasn't really that great. Yeah, it was one of those things where they had uh, I, probably way too many ideas. Yeah, I think yeah. it was the ultimate uh, downfall of, of Lucha Underground. They got some people who got very excited about uh, complicated, mystical, and time trial. And just by the end, it was just like, okay, this much of this is really stupid now at this point. And there's still some pretty good wrestlers that are having some okay matches, but they, they kind of got up, up their own ass a little bit. And there's some of that in this, right? You know, they build the, the mystical rock and everything like that. But this is, but you know, that, that kind of stuff's been in wrestling forever. And, you know, you didn't really need to completely, sus, you know, go down a rabbit hole of sci-fi mumbo jumbo to buy that this guy was, you know, the embodiment of death. There's always been embodiments of death. Um, but, you know, he didn't get to the point where, where Jeff Cobb in a mask would be murdering people every week on in video clips or evil twins or whatever. And at that point, I kind of, we, we, for a while, and Suguna Kaido were reviewing every episode of, of Luja yeah. Underground. And by the end, I think Eric, my friend uh, and co-writer Eric still did. I think he ended up actually reviewing all of it. But there was a point where I just kind of said, all right, I'm going to pass this <laughs> along and let you take over this project. Uh, but this was it. I mean, this was, was this their best match? I think this was their best match. It was, it was definitely their best match of season one. It was, like I said, that year I didn't really watch a lot of wrestling, but it was definitely my match of the year that year too, just because I... Um, I mean, I guess the only coffin matches I was familiar with were just like WWE ones. And this was just like a next level coffin match where they had like a brutal brawl, like a hardcore brawl. And the coffin thing was secondary. So it was, it was like the first time I saw something like that. And that's kind of I was like, oh, they, they really get it. They, they really they really know what they're doing with this. It's not just like fighting over the coffin over and over again and having it just be something like a WWE event. So yeah, I mean, uh, there aren't really, I don't think in, in wrestling history, that many coffin matches outside of undertaker matches. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, very you know, indie ones I've seen, but that doesn't count. What, what's that? Said like very bad indie ones. Yeah, there's there's some bad Twitter. indie ones. I, there's a, a, I think it's dusty Rhodes Ivan Koloff, uh, casket match from Houston. in like oh, the eighties, wow. I, I didn't, they went back that, that, that long. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it's nothing nothing it's going nothing it's pretty good i mean both those guys are pretty good wrestlers and so it's entertaining but i don't remember you don't nothing you need to necessarily search out so i think they did run them in other places on occasion um yeah. but obviously it's it was the undertaker's gimmick but i think this was but yeah this was the best use of it and obviously um and just the sort of pomp of this is really cool the the uh the people in the dios de la muerte's 
uh, face paint wheeling out this very, you know, graffitied with skulls, <laughs> coffin, and the flower. I mean, it looks cool yeah. as shit. And, I, you know, I'm somebody who likes a, you know, probably at heart a, a, as a wrestling fan, I like small bore stuff. But mm. I, you know, will appreciate a spectacle. Yeah. Uh, That's what I, I kind of wanted to ask you because going into this, like, I've already always had like a remedial knowledge of lucha i was i never you know i didn't really get it until after lucha underground now now i'm into it but yeah. back then i was still kind of like every once in a while i dig into it but you you know you're a you're a lucha guy so were you going into lucha underground kind of hating on it or were you, were you excited for it i was intrigued yeah you know what i mean i i did, wasn't expecting a ton i it you know i did i had <laughs> for in the kind of late 90s i actually uh, there was like a guy who I who I kind of got hooked up with who was trying to do something like this, not like this, but trying to do U.S. lucha. And he ran a couple shows in in D.C. and he ran a show in Mexico that was like a TV taping that I did commentary on. So this is always oh. something I thought, but well, it didn't any, obviously end up going anywhere. And uh, I, I think somewhere I have a tape or somebody's got a tape of it ended up being a you know uh, I ended up bringing in. Uh, uh, champagne and uh, venom from Omega to work mm. as the U.S. guys at this Monterey, Mexico show. I don't know if you remember either of those guys. They were, the, Definitely. The, the two Omega guys. I picked the two Omega guys who didn't end up having successful wrestling careers. So clearly it was a talent scout. You know, I was like, nah, we're going to bring in the Hardys. <laughs> Let's bring in I, these two guys. Well, those were the two best guys. But um, I, Venom still made it to the dance, though. He, that's I mean, true. And Champagne, you know, <laughs> has some clips of on uh, they still get tweeted every once in a while of him taking stupid bumps on WWE TV. <laughs> so he had his moment too. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then we had like, it was a cool show. And had like Tajiri was on there. This was even pre-ECW Tajiri. So like big Japan era Tajiri was on those shows and Satanico and Blue Panther and Super Astro and Solar and a bunch of, you know, bunch of cool things and I, you know, that, so I did that. So it always been somebody who's kind of thinking, well, somebody should do a U.S. Lucha Libre promotion and have it. That's a smart idea. Um, and this, so I was excited of that somebody was going to really do it. It was going to have some juice behind it. Uh, you know, I was not expecting. I, I don't know. I don't really remember what I was expecting. I, I figured it would be kind of WSX-ish. That, yeah, uh, yeah. That, like, MTV thing would be a little like that. And, you know, and that, that had its moments of things that were entertaining. And this had its moments of things that were entertaining. I think it ultimately was an interesting uh, failure, but kind of an, but but not a, but you know, we'll have some things that I remember for a long time. This match certainly one of them. Uh, Vampiro uh, Pentagon was a really memorable uh, match. You know, where just had some other stuff too. Yeah, I think it'll definitely, as a whole, be remembered very fondly from for years to come, at least. Yeah, because yeah. I mean. It, it it started so many people's careers in, in the U.S. too. Sure, and you know I think it, you know, cool cool interesting failures are neat in all kinds of art, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know the guy who the band that released one one uh, one uh, three great you you a podcast on punk rock six inch right. Like the band that had three great singles and a kind of a not great album and then disappeared. Sometimes you, you know, get a lot of fondness for those bands. What would be yep. the punk rock equivalent of Lucha Underground? I don't know. I mean, Lucha Underground had a, a good run. They, they, um, but you know, they probably are still still on cult status. Uh, so I wouldn't, you know, put them in like the top tier of 
uh, punk legends like a minor threat or something. And uh, even something like negative approach, I don't think they're even that that popular. So, I you know, I, it would probably be uh, like a band that uh, had like regional success, maybe not just local, but, you know, were popular in, in the Northeast or something like that. OK, but I need be- a name. You got to when you get called to do an an, an, uh, <laughs> an on the spot uh, <laughs> comparison, I'm, I'm gonna give me the regionally popular band that did never miss it. Are they the makeup? I'm going to say since they're Lucha Underground, I'm going to say. Uh, they're as popular as the band Hoods from Sacramento, California, okay. that were kind of a tough guy band from the 90s that were uh, they weren't on the, that top level of tough guy hardcore. So I'm going I'm to go with Hoods. All right. Sounds great. Hoods. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so, folks, I'm sure that you can find some Hoods on YouTube. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after, uh, I, you know, I was by my, my I was uh, live grew up in the Bay Area. Um, mm. but was not a punk guy in the Bay area when I was growing up. I was just, I was like, yeah. it was too short and digital underground. And, and yeah. that thing was E40 was sort of my musical background. I got much more into punk rock music when I moved to DC in college. So that I'm, like I'm def- late nineties, two thousands era would be the stuff that I would be more familiar with. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm pretty much, I mean, I'm, I'm more around the same age. That's when I got into like hardcore and punk was in the mid nineties. So, it's uh, about the same, but I w- I'm from the East Coast, so uh, I am very jealous that E40 seems to just keep on releasing food and, and alcohol that I cannot get in Chicago. That I uh, really wish they sold around here. Yeah, the guy, the guy is the guy who's learned how to become a successful person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and his whole thing still, I think, releases. You know, like he'll release like a triple album every year, yeah. and, <laughs> and I always like out of out of like solidarity for for eighteen year old, nine year old Phil. I was like, oh, I got to listen to this whole triple album. I usually <laughs> listen to the whole thing once, and it's like, oh, these two songs are pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always do it. Like every time it comes out, I'm like, I'm listening to this whole goddamn thing. I'm just gonna, you know, suck it up and listen to all two hours and twenty minutes of this music. It's gonna be of of incredibly varying quality. Well, I think I think he owes you. So E40 should be on this podcast someday. I, I'd love to have E40 on this podcast because I've had of you know, I've had musical icons. I've like had Lars mutual, on. There you I've go. had Lars on our, our mutual friend Matt. So now I just need a. I just need uh, E40 to, c- c- to complete the Troika. I mean, I can't have, at this point, with all the trash I've talked about, I couldn't have Billy Corgan on, right? No. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> this by the, the Phil curses at Billy Corgan thing has become like a drinking game. I'm just going to hate him. I guess I'm not going to have him on. Uh, and I'm going <laughs> to think about <laughs> maybe Action Bronson. Uh, <laughs> if anybody's got his contact information. Be a good, a good musical guest. Uh, let's get back. Let's, let's talk a little about this match. You know, okay. it's theoretically what we're here to do. Um, at some point, I'm gonna have to see what the record is for longest uh, talk on a podcast without actually talking about the match. Uh, <laughs> I've gone pretty long sometimes. Um, so the, I guess the story. I'm trying to remember this. It, all of this Lucha Underground mythology was so convoluted. But at this point, Katrina had. Betrayed Mil Muertes and joined Phoenix. This is their second match, right? Yes. She romanced him. Yes. Yeah. And so she comes in as his manager and it betrayed. They kind of jumped the gun a little on the betray Mil Muertes. I mean, they only made like eight episodes before she betrayed him. I don't know if it had as much emotional resonance. <laughs> uh, and it's still, she, he's, Phoenix is still working babyface in this match. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But um, he's wearing dark clothes. So he's. Towards evil, 
Right. That was part of it, I think, right? It wasn't that she was supposed to turn him turn yeah. him to the dark side or something. I don't remember. That was a lot of that, that that's the thing. It's like they had a lot of stuff. But I'm trying to. It, I hesitate to remember any of their actual angles. I, I, I enjoyed uh, what's his name, the uh, the guy who was the. Um, who I think he's doing it in MLW now. The guy who was the promoter. I thought it was a, a real like. Yeah. Fun. I mean, he's he's a legit actor. And, yeah. Uh, it I sucks mean, that something that was in MLW got a hold of him after Lucha Underground, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, MLW. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> MLW in a similar ways is some sort of somewhat of an interesting failure, I guess, at the heart of it. MLW didn't make this book, uh, no. but I, I mean, I probably could have if I tried hard enough. I probably could have found something on there that might have. I think Sabu and Laparca had a good match together uh, in like you know 2003 or something like that. In MLW. Yep, I enjoyed the one MLW show I went to uh, live like many many years ago that had like a. Uh, uh, Moss Man from uh, All Japan Wrestling was against like Jerry Lynn, pretty yep. good, and had a fun uh, uh, La Parka soccer match. So the lodge had a lot of skinheads. That was the one mm. thing that, like, at that show, for some reason, that New York MLW uh, Hammerstein Ballroom MLW show had a lot of skinheads, wow. which made me a little like, uh, I'm not, not uncomfortable, but I was like, oh, I'm, I was like in my twenties, so it's like I'm probably getting too old to fist fight with skinheads. That's something yeah, I did yeah. more when I was a teenager. But I was kind of thinking about it at least a little bit, right? Like it's like I we drove all the way from DC to New York to to don't want to to see this uh, to see La Park. I don't necessarily want to get kicked out by punching this guy with red laces, but <laughs> feels like I should punch him. So it was yeah. a, that was like a moral quandary for me at MLW. Um, but yes, uh, I enjoyed that. That guy was pretty good, um, and I did like. I think Katrina was good in this match. Yeah. Um, she gets to eat that big clothesline from Milware, does takes a big bump on that, has like the moment where she sort of sends him to hell at the end that was pretty neat. And Phoenix is crazy. And I don't think we knew how crazy he was before this match. We certainly know now. So but, he wasn't, was he, was he a guy on your radar before Lucha Underground or no? Not, not really. I mean, he was a guy who had been working some AAA, AAA and his brother. I think Pentagon uh, was a guy who was a little more on my radar. There was a, a fun Pentagon Erez match where before hard- before trip before Lucha Underground, where he like carves up Erez with a bottle, kind of works a little like Abdul the Butcher that I remember enjoying. Uh, so he was a guy I at least remembered from that. But I was, I've never been a gigantic AAA guy. I was always more of a CMLL guy, so I, I think Phoenix started there, but wasn't wasn't somebody who was tremendously on my radar before this. Okay, and I still think this is his best match. He's a guy who I I'm a little lower. I, I I'm very low on Pentagon Junior. I think he's just a guy who at this point is just mostly getting by on shtick. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I like him though, because it's just like it really <laughs> it harkens back to the old times. A <laughs> guy just. Uh, getting his shit in, and, and that's about it. Because yeah. as long as he can do his little hand gestures, he's he's happy. He could get pinned uh, every day for a whole year and not care as long as he gets to do those hand gestures. That's true. So yeah, he's uh, and I <laughs> and them as a tag team in 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 uh, AEW has not been something that outside of some individual moments I've particularly loved. 
Yeah, um, it's not been it's not been great. I'm I'm a big fan of them, and it's uh you know it's kind of not been great for them. I don't think. But Phoenix is the guy who's gonna be. I mean, he's gonna a guy who's gonna. I'm gonna. Ex- this match I loved so much. He's a guy who has a relatively long rope for me. You know what I mean? Like, he's a guy who's, I'm going to excuse a lot of his sins because this is something that he can do and yeah. did. And so he's like a guy who's like, yeah, Phoenix. I kind of I still like Phoenix. What do you like? Well, I really love that Lucha match of 2015. This is like, you know, my, this is my favorite Phoenix match. This would be number one, and I'm not sure what number two would be, but this is really great. He is incredible at it. He really is like a guy who came, you know, bled and bumped and did enough the, enough crazy. He felt like a guy who was losing his mask in a in like Arena Mexico or something like that. And yeah. came with that kind of energy to this match. And I, you know, and that's something I really appreciate. And where does I think is a guy, it's a weird career. Because I think he's a guy who, you know, if you made your top ten matches um of his career, the top ten would be pretty great. Uh, and all and varied and all over the world. Though he's a guy that you know, outside of that, it feels like he had long periods of of not greatness. Yes, interspersed yes. with once every five years. Doing, I mean, he had. I don't know if you've ever seen the um, the um, matches, the the hair, the Aplesis matches in AAA he had against L.A. Park. Um, I think I've seen, I don't know if I've I've seen one of them. I don't know how many there was. So there were two. They were both incredible. And okay. re, I mean, as, you know, and and you could put those matches in these matches. And then there's some stuff in Puerto Rico. Uh, there's a match where he almost uh, right throws Flash Flanagan off a balcony through oh, a yeah, table that misses the table and Flash Flanagan almost like that's a really good match up until the point where he murders Flash Flanagan. Uh, <laughs> yep. And so he's had the guys like you could list this guy's. You know, best stuff, and go, man. This guy's, you know, an all timer. And then it's like, you know, you go years in between. And I don't know if he, I don't think he's had anything since uh, Lucha Underground to particularly to uh, recommend him. Although I think he's still working this gimmick. Yeah, so weird, sure. W- weird career. Um, but you know, as a guy, you know, I got some. You know, it's, you got, don't mind a guy whose highs are that high, right? I mean, if you're gonna, he has a good look. So what he may may lack sometimes in in wrestling, uh, he has like a great great look. Yeah, even a, even maskless, he has a great look. So yeah, it's got a nice punch. Yeah, you know, in this match, he does a nice job, really, of of being like a a gigi- a brutal force of violence, which he has to be. Yeah, um, and you know, he's a he's a guy who's indie big. You know what I mean? Like he's probably six one, but yeah. it looks big compared to everybody in this promotion. And work as a giant in TNA, and you know it's kind of like so. There's you know for indie big guys, he's probably you know he feels like a guy that I don't know. I mean, I was thinking is he feels like a guy that maybe AEW should bring him, but maybe not. <laughs> they say it like that now. Maybe he doesn't have any. He doesn't really have value there, and maybe. And, and the other thing that'll be kind of interesting about judging this match as a match is, you know, this is there's professional editors, right? This is a tape yeah. edited match, so you don't actually. It's hard to view it like you had this as your match of the year, and I, I think we had it pretty high on our 2015 list too. It's over. It's a good guy of it. You got to say to yourself, well, I don't know. What, are there other matches that would have been this good if they had had the value of having uh, editors clip stuff yeah, out I mean, and, and you know do post production on them and everything like that? I, so 
it's it's an interesting way to judge it. It's hard. It's a hard thing to judge. I mean, this is different than you know, like one of the like uh, WWE cinematic matches. It's not that, but yeah, it's uh, kind of I, I everything. I guess everything has its quirks. Like I know uh, something I'm a fan of that I know you're a fan of, Zona Twenty Three, and I you know I think that has a, a lot of benefit of never being live and having like using great cameras and having like this great atmosphere that. Uh, maybe some other like hardcore stuff would ne- would never have if you know they just used their crappy indie cra- cameras and and streamed live and it would it would look like murky and you know the the wrestling could be just as good as Zona Twenty Three but I think Zona Twenty Three has that look to it so I, I think you know, everything has its pros and cons in wrestling I think I mean it certainly does va- benefit from I mean undoubtedly benefit from the cameras although I mean I've seen the Zona Twenty Three match in my book is taped by Black Terry Junior. Yeah, so that's just a what guy, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, with a handheld camera taping. And although you know the, he's the Martin Scorsese of of, <laughs> of wrestling handheld cameraman, he's you know a weird genius at his one little thing. So you know there, there's something to be said for that. But I you know but yeah no I mean I I, I know what you're saying. I, it's interesting. I, I I I you know watching this match again for this pod. I mean it really does hold up. Oh yeah, for sure. I was, I was afraid of that because anytime I go back to this, I'm, I'm like, it's, you know, it's Lucha Underground. It's a little gimmicky. It's going to it's gonna get dated at some point. But I think it's still going strong almost seven years into it. Yeah. So what was your, uh, what would, if you had to say, if you had to say, if you had to tell somebody, all right, I, I watched this match and I want to watch three other Lucha Underground matches. Uh, for me, it would be the... Uh, the Pentagon against all the stardom girls match, which was just, uh, I think we, we live in an age now where kind of like the wacky, like wrestle and romance type of like wacky matchups are like, uh, aren't really that crazy anymore. Cause like everything's just all over the place. Like everybody goes all over the world. So, but I think that match, the Pentagon and against Io Shirai and Kairi Hojo and Mayu Iwatani, that one, I think that one's going to stand the test of time as always being a weird, a weird matchup. So uh, I would put that one up there. Um, the 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 bloodbath that I think everybody else recommends outside of you is the uh, the kill shot versus Ar Fox or Shane Strickland versus Ar Fox. And um, I don't like that match as much as this one, but I think as far as like pretty much like a gross like CZW style death match, that's as close as you're going to get on on actual TV is that match because it's they're going through panes of glass like. Their backs are all torn up. It's pretty gross, and I think the uh, the third one I would I would go with is uh, probably a little controversial because it's Sexy Star, and uh, I think it was cheerleader Melissa, whatever her gimmick was, Mariposa. I think her gimmick was, and they did that I Quit match that was just like I can't I can't I think that might have been season three, and that was just like that was the the one thing in season three where I was like, oh, Lucha Underground is back. They're back. They got that season one energy again. And that, I remember that match. That match was really good, especially because Sexy Star is fucking awful. So that you know, like that for for a match that that may be one of the better matches where just one of the participants is just utterly yeah. terrible Again, at pro wrestling. Probably the editing, but you know they they did a good job editing it. I mean, you know, the Lucha Underground did that, right? I mean, I you know that Vampiro Pentagon uh, matches Vampiro's greatest match, 
Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, maybe there's a trios match that he's not in very much. That, you know, like, where it's like this incredible, oh, God, there's just CML matches and some incredible all, uh, Negro Casas El Dandy exchanges that also Vampiro was in it that I, maybe I'm not remembering, but certainly a match that Vampiro was a big part of it since greatest yeah. match. And that was well after he stopped being an active wrestler. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and, and you know, was a guy who was, you know, all kinds of health problems uh, for sure as well. I mean, this guy's cautions. All kinds of shit is going on in Vampiro's life that may, would make it difficult for him to come in and have a match that good. So I think that 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 probably more than those matches, some of those matches, Sex Star by that Vampiro one, more than this, were really uh, were really helped by the fact that this is that Robert Rodriguez had an entire professional uh, yeah. Hollywood, you know, uh, editors and special effects people and all that kind of stuff to kind of, uh, I imagine that sexy star Mariposa match was not good live. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, but, but certainly I'm not sure leader Melissa's a professional. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But, uh, but yes, I think that was, I do remember that. I, I, I don't, I don't remember being an enormous fan of the Strickland AR Fox match. I, it was crazy for sure, but yeah, um, it was definitely where I was starting to check out a Lucha Underground, but just as far as like a spectacle on actual television goes, I know. I mean, I know AEW has been dipping into the deathmatch stuff, but this was just on another level that I don't think anybody's ever going to do on television again. Yeah, uh, probably. Although certainly, uh, you know, I you know have been surprised by the amount of uh, blood. I mean, they've been doing you know maybe maybe a little too much of, of recently. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's like you got to tone it down. I mean, not not that I not I'm not saying that it was like an offense way, but I'm just saying that you probably should have. I don't know if they should have had that tag match and then the Brian Danielson match on like consecutive shows, like spread spread it out a little bit. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm certainly not somebody who's going to complain about blood or even blood. I, mean, I have Joshi matches in this book too that are very bloody and 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 I'm I'm, I'm not I'm fine with. Uh, so it's not that, but it's just like you know you got to maybe not. It, you know, you don't want to turn turn into like uh, one of those promotions where every week somebody's bleeding half to death. Otherwise, that means a lot. Less. Just like anything, it means a lot less. If they ran this match, they ran a, they ran this a rematch of this match, right? Uh, the I think this was the second one, or no? I guess I guess they did have to have a blow off match. I don't really remember the blow off match, but I think that's the one where she turns back on, in on uh, on Phoenix. Right, yeah. Um, you don't really remember the ball match. <laughs> and that, that happens sometimes, right? Where you have this, where, you know, you, you can't, you don't always capture that magic multiple times. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, because, I mean, they had the one before where, like, Phoenix su- surprisingly beats Mil Mortes, even though, like, as you pointed out, I think they're, like, you know, two, ma- two, two episodes in, and somebody's already getting, like, a surprise win. And then uh, they had this, and I guess, yeah, they had the blow-off match where she turns back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, uh, I think that this, uh, I think this part, I think they kind of captured it Yeah. in this one. And I, I don't think they ever really captured the other ones. Where does it some other fun stuff and Phoenix had some other fun stuff, but I think this was, I, this was the, this sort of pinnacle of what they did in, in Lucha Underground for sure. I think, you know, Phoenix was not a guy, I think that they were planning on pushing as much as they did. Like, I don't think he was expected to be the star of this. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely not. I don't, I don't think that was on, on the agenda either. And so he's a guy who kind of really turned himself into, I mean, really with, I think, the performance of this match, turned himself into a guy that became much more of a focus of this promotion. And the guy who came out of it with the, you know, that this did the most for him. 
Yeah. For sure, right? Because I mean, I think they brought all three of those guys in. I, thought, I think the first thing they brought in was like, it wasn't, it was a Pentagon Junior, Aerostar, and Phoenix in a three way, in which was very much like, a, here's some guys we got from AAA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three way, right? Like, we've brought in the way, you know, some indie promotions, like, we've brought in some luchadors. <laughs> so they kind of did, that was kind of what was going on here, right? Like, oh, you know, here's some luchadors. Here they are. They're going to do a three way. And, you know, like, you might see, you know, um, like, a, uh, you know, the GCW has been doing a little more, but like that kind of thing where they'll just bring in, you know, th- yeah. bring in some guy, luchadors now, work a three way to show up their stuff. So I don't think it, it, they were necessarily playing, uh, you know, Phoenix. Being a breakout in this promotion was, I think, uh, he took the took the opportunities he was given and really and really ran with them. And then, you know, obviously, he's a guy who I guess you know has had a bunch of injury. I don't know it's a probably disappointing AEW run when you think about it because I think that he feels like at least from this and some other stuff in Lucha Underground and some things he did on the Indies afterwards, like he should have been more than just a tag guy, but yeah, kept getting hurt. It's definitely I. Um, you know, I, I saw him, I'm in Chicago now and he would be in AAW a lot, AAW, not AEW or AIW. Uh, it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of AWs, but, uh, seeing him live, I mean, even if you don't like the high flying style, he's just so good at it. Just like so flawless. Uh, I've seen very few people at his level when it comes to doing that stuff and just like effortless, effortlessly. And uh, yeah, it seems like as soon as he started getting the AEW is when uh, his body started <laughs> turning on him and he's getting injured like every other match. And I mean, he goes pretty hard. And I just think it's the thing where it's it's America. So they're like, I don't know if we want to bet on two singles Mexicans, get Mexican guys instead of a tag team, which is uh, and plus they have Andrade, which they're just kind of like doing whatever with. So I don't know. I I. As much as I want Phoenix to have a singles run in AEW, I just I'm kind of finally giving up on that ever happening. I mean, you never know. Guys, hang around. Yeah, right. You know, it's like we don't expect it. You don't expect it. Then at some point, I mean, I, I feel like it. It would make sense at some point for them to do a breakup. Yeah, and run their match against each other, which is something they've done a bunch. I don't really know if I mean I don't even know if he'd be up to it personally, but I don't know if they could ever get Pentagon as a heel though. So. Because he loves doing his shtick, so I just don't know if he could if he could switch like that. Yeah, you know it's it's twenty twenty two wrestling, right? I mean, I, I mean, how many how many heels are there that actually aren't just doing their stuff? You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't, I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not, you can't list the guy guys who are heels that everyone hates, really <laughs> hates. I mean, how many of them are there? Right? I mean, even even you know, like guys who really are going for it. I yeah. don't know how much of them are really hated. I think Pentagon could still just do a shtick and yeah, like, be I guess. evil. I mean, they did a yeah. pretty good job with him as a guy breaking people's arms. Yeah, yeah, that was always that's you know that's what hooked me on him too. Because that was that was a that was a great angle. Yeah, so maybe he could break somebody's arm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they got a lot of guys in in catering and dark get yeah. their arms broken, right? You yeah, know, they could break a lot of arms before break they get a lot of arms. Right? I mean, he got. <laughs> We got a lot, you know that could be that could be a lot of guys whose contracts are about to go about to expire are going to be expired with broken arms. That's definitely <laughs> something that could happen, right? Oh, you know, it's like Joey Janela's price. He going to get resigned. I will break his arm on the way out. <laughs> Sunny kiss, Peter, pretty Avalon, pretty Peter Avalon. They got there's arms to be broken. Um, so where do you think? So what is 
what do you think the legacy of is the legacy of Lucha Underground basically going to be Pentagon and Phoenix when it all comes down to it? I mean, I think Ricky Banderas is going to be working this gimmick until the day he dies. So that's that's another one. It's a lot less these days. Like we still get Aerostar and Drago around here pretty regularly. Uh, but I think, you know, their star has faded. I don't think they're drawing anywhere outside of Lucha shows. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's going to be the uh, pretty much it is Penta and Phoenix. Because I think all the other guys, I'm, you know, the other guys are still getting paid off of these gimmicks, I think. But um, I don't think even like I'm so bummed that like Angelico and Jack Evans are kind of bums in AEW. Like Angelico is a guy I didn't know before Lucha Underground that just like amazed me. And, uh, you know, there's, they have so many tag teams that are kind of bozos where, you know, bump them up a little on the card. But. I mean, Jack, I think Jack Evans may just be, <laughs> I mean, he's a guy who, who I've enjoyed Jack Evans for a long time in wrestling. He's a guy who I yeah. really liked in ROH. And, but he may just be a good guy who, you know, his body is eventually yeah, just broken down enough that he can't really do a ton. He had a fun, yeah. I mean, the hair match was kind of a fun performance. What, but, a, uh, what an odd thing to just do that air match. <laughs> it gotcha. seemed like he knew about it. So what an odd thing. I think he probably just figured, oh, I want to lose my hair before I retire. Yeah. You know, guy worked enough AAA that I should lose my hair somewhere. Might as well lose it on TV. Um, uh, yeah, it's funny. Angelica's weird. Uh, I mean, he's like a South African guy who went and trained with Negro Navarro. And yeah. he's a guy I remember um, when I first saw him was working those IWRG during the sort of height of IWRG in 2009, 2010, where it was the best wrestling in the world. And he would frequently be like, claw your eyes out terrible in those matches. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. This Who is this bozo that they brought over from South Africa whose Negro (laughs) Navarro is working... um, working technical exchanges with and feeding his getting feeding him as an arm. He doesn't know what to do with it. So I mean, it's interesting. It's like you, you looked back on the Angelico reviews I've done on Segunda Caete. He's a guy that we, we would just absolutely savage when we first started <laughs> reviewing. Him. And he's a guy who eventually just, you know, if you hang around Mexico for eight months and you're being trained by Negro Navarro, you're going to get pretty good. So there's like a yeah. period near the end of that, right? We started things like, Oh my God, this was a miracle Angelico match. I couldn't believe this was watchable. And then eventually, like, actually, I think he got kind of okay so, by the end of this. But I, I remember he's a guy that I have the, my history with him is not uh, almost universally negative. Uh, and, but at some point, he's like, oh, this guy got pretty good. I think now he's pretty good. Now he kind of is seemingly uh, yeah. nowhere, um, <laughs> which, which may be kind of a bummer. But he's like a, a just South African indie worker who moves to Mexico to, to get trained by Negro Navarro in the trauma. This is kind of a cool. Uh, yeah. a cool, a cool like history thing. We'd be an interesting guy to talk to. Like, how does that end up happening? Uh, yeah. How do you? How did you end up getting? I mean, those are you know, if you're going to be trained by anyone, Negro Navarro is you know obviously an icon and all time great. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, Angelico. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll send you some clips of some 2010 <laughs> Angelico. Not great. Okay. <laughs> Uh, was he just overall bad, or is it just? Uh, oh, you know, he's overall bad. I mean, well, he said, you know, he like, you know, he was put in positions where he couldn't do things. He looked awkward. I mean, he would do these. He would work this the, the La, Yave technical style and couldn't do it. And and you know, he, so he'd be in these things where he'd be working like mat exchanges with Igor Navarro, and you're like, oh my god, this is awful. <laughs> again, Igor Navarro, you know, he's like, okay, I guess I gotta 
kind of make this kind of even, and he would be a guy who could kind of do it. And then eventually kind of, you know, figure it out a little bit. I think he's good now. I mean, he really is a guy who, who doesn't see, and he had certainly had some very cool moments in, in Lucha Underground, for sure. Um, and I think it's a guy who's got pretty decent on the mat. Like, there definitely should be at some, at some point on elevation, they should run uh, Brian Danielson and Jellico and just let them work, you know, yeah. work uh, Yave exchanges for six minutes. I mean, that's, that's why the, those shows exist. Any, yeah, anytime that I don't, I don't watch Dark or anything like that, really, but anytime I do catch Angelico there, like Excalibur is always, always mentioning, you know, his, his, his background in, in the mat style. So I'm always like, oh, they're going to push him. They're going to give him like a technical wrestler gimmick. But uh, I don't know if they really. I'll, I'll settle for the Daniel Bryan yeah. <laughs> magic. Or <laughs> something. Let him let him let him get let him get a four and a half minutes get squashed by Daniel Garcia. Yeah, there's things you can do. <laughs> All right, I mean, there are some guys. I guess you know there are all the Marty the Moth. He's a guy I guess just never wrestled again, right? I think I think he was doing like weird indies, like popping up here and there. Because I want to say, uh, be, before this, I lived in New York, and I want to say he popped up on one of the New York Lucha shows before I moved, but. Um, then I think maybe he started doing politics. I don't know why I think he might've gotten into politics or something like that, but he may have gotten into politics. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to have to look that off. <laughs> that might be bullshit. It's <laughs> where he takes like a weird career turn after wrestling. Okay. I'm looking at his Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> do they mention, uh, I guess he was on Everwood. Um, I don't see anything about politics on his Wikipedia. It doesn't mean that it's it's not. I mean, is, did he become like a MAGA guy? No, I don't think it was. I think it was before that. So I might just be getting him mixed up with some other weird guy that disappeared. Okay. Yeah, I guess acting career is the only thing after. Actually, I was before, so I don't know. I guess he does tra- train. He'll train you. I'm looking at his Twitter. Uh <laughs> It's a guy. It's a guy. I kind of enjoy, got turned into a guy. I kind of enjoyed by the end of this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he worked a dark. Oh wow! So in yeah, like um, May. Oh. Uh, there was like an SI SI article on it. And apparently, worked a dark. It's a guy you could. I could see. You know. Yeah. Might as well that's, keep that's him kind of getting into politics. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, he that's worked, right. Worked, <laughs> worked a dark. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's still going. Twenty twenty one, last match. Right, well, there we go. Got beat by Matt Seidel on Dark. Oh, that, could, that might be, might have been okay. Yeah, right. I mean, that, the, 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 did Matt Seidel work? Lucha Underground feels like he should have. No, I don't think he did. I thought the other guy got mixed up with Matt Seidel worked at the Australian guy or New Zealand guy. He was in Oh fuck, Darewolf, the Darewolf. Oh whatever. yeah, that guy. That guy sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I guess apparently according to this SI article, Martin Moth had like a very serious back injury and took many years to kind of get back into okay into wrestling and then worked that dark and I don't know what he's done since then. But um, there you go, it's, it's a guy. I mean, I'm, I'm all for weird Lucha Underground guys getting getting additional shots. He was like <laughs> one of the, I'm trying to think of I I, I really liked uh, I really liked what he one of my favorite Lucha Underground guys was. Um, What's his face? The guy who looked like Suge Knight. Oh, Big Rick. Yeah, 
Yeah, Vic Rick was great. He's awesome. And he actually was, he actually, the couple times he wrestled, I thought looked really good for a guy who was doing something different than everybody else in there and threw big clotheslines and looked cool. I think he was one of those guys that got murdered in a comic book or some shit like that, right? Where Lucha Underground got very Chikar ish and it's like he got murdered in a comic book by somebody. And it's like, okay, that's. But uh, but like, those that, that was kind of one of the kind of things I liked was you know I enjoyed Ch- I'm a guy who always liked Chavo so I kind of enjoyed Chavo's really underwhelming run there. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'll say that's the most I like Chavo was Lucha Underground. Oh Chavo, you know go 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 watch some of that rewatch some of that 2004 uh, WWF stuff. Chavo's good. <laughs> uh, you know it, it wasn't his dad or his uncle or any of his uncles. Uh, but you know, yeah. a guy I like Chavo. I, I have there's a there's a, a Hector match on in my book. Maybe if I can't get Hector, <laughs> I'll see if I can get Chavo to talk about it. He uh, seems like he'd be into it. Yeah, man. Like it's anybody, anybody, if anybody's got a contact uh, <laughs> for Chavo Guerrero, uh, hit me up on DMs and get me all lined up with him to talk his talk his uncle Hector and his dad uh, throwing hot sauce and um. <laughs> Jose Lothario's eyes. Do you ever? Have you watched that match? No, that's I think it's a little, little too old for me. I think that's <laughs> dope, man. I also do like. Look, you know, this is the, the beauty of the way of the blade is it gives you a chance to get into some older shit. I mean, I'll, I won't lie to you. I think you know you got you guys the DVD VR, especially your comps. Uh, you know, shaped my taste in wrestling and the way I view wrestling, but. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that you like that I, I bought your book like probably the first hour it was available because I always have PTSD that anything cool in wrestling is going to be out of print immediately. So I uh, I bought it and I was like, I'm going to watch all these old Lucha matches and I'm going to finally understand it. But the uh, like that Chicano, the Sangre Chicano match, I've watched it like three times <laughs> since I got your book. And I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, I, 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 I don't know what it is. Well, no, I don't. I am into the you know. Chavo the Lothario is, is a Houston match, not a not a lucha match. So that that's that's like nineteen eighties territorial wrestling. Uh, so maybe okay. you maybe you would be able to get more into that because that is that's that's you know that's just that's just uh, uh, that's just that's just a, a, a territorial brawl like a Lawler match mm-hmm. or a or a uh, you know a Tully Magnum TA more than anything. Uh, foreign um but no i mean look i everybody's not uh, there are certainly plenty of things that uh that people love that i uh in wrestling that i do not love so i'm not gonna anybody if somebody's gonna give a match a good faith effort and it doesn't connect to them then you know uh, yeah that i'm not gonna i you know look i can't i wish there are I, there isn't. I haven't. I haven't been able to tolerate a single one of those seven-star Dave Meltzer New Japan matches. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, like I can't. I watch one of those. It's just like I can't. I don't. I'm not. I don't understand why. I. You know, people. People who you know seem to have watched a lot of wrestling in their life will say things like, "Okada is the greatest wrestler of all time." I'm like, <laughs> that guy who did this spinny clothesline thing. Okay, I, I love Okada. So, all right. But, well, fuck. I mean, there you I guess, go, man. Like I, different strokes, brother. That's what that's what the great what the great things about this, right? <laughs> I don't I don't rule any style of wrestling out. I try to I try to watch as much as I can, and uh, you know, there's some stuff I, I don't get. A uh, big one for me that I don't get that everybody loves. It was a very unpopular opinion. Is 
all that early 2000s indie stuff. I, I don't get it. Like, I just like, I don't know why people love this so much. I think it's just a lot of like uh, Japanese stuff, but unfiltered and kind of not great. So like uh, low key matches and red matches and American yeah, Dragon yeah. matches. Yeah, I, I never got it because I don't know. I was just I'd rather just go watch like mid 90s junior stuff from Japan instead of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I just it just never, never really resonated with me. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that a lot of that mid-90s junior stuff from Japan, which is certainly things that at one point in my life I had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, enthusiasm for, that's a lot of stuff that leaves me dry now. Like, li- you know, big Liger matches and yeah, things yeah. like that. You know, it's just like, you know, certainly at one point, you know, relatively recently, I went back and rewatched a ton of War. And War, when I would watch War initially, You'd get war for Ultimo Dragon matches. Yeah. And now, and now, if you watch war, it's like, oh god, I gotta watch this fucking Ultimo Dragon match. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I want to it's... see Kabuki, and instead, <laughs> I gotta watch Ultimo Dragon and, and Chris Jericho do a bunch of backflips. Pass. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not. I'm not that, that extreme, but yeah, I got like a bunch of war stuff, uh, like in, early during the lockdown of the pandemic, and I found myself watching more of the main event stuff instead of the junior stuff that i used to watch yeah it's like oh wow look at this it's got they yeah. brought in so it's, it's got they've got lance storm and jericho <laughs> and it's like, i don't know it's another match has <laughs> kish and kawabata in it that's what you want to watch you want to watch kish and kawabata walk up to somebody and toe kick him in the eye yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that, that's a, you know that a lot of the like i said with a lot of the current new japan stuff like with you know Ishii, who's a guy everyone loves, is like I don't know. Ishii's like be like the he's the to be the eighth hardest hitting guy to, on like a war card ninety four. He'd be in a si- he'd be in a six man. And he wouldn't be he wouldn't be hitting as hard as Takeshi Ishikawa or Hara. So what are we getting will, excited about? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. And I don't know all the guys in it. It's very early in Ishii's career, but I I will send you an Ishii match that will make you a believer. <laughs> I liked early Ishii. I like okay. kind of I like kind of. Choshu dis- I like Ishii when Ishii was the fifth guy in a war six man. Okay, okay. He was always the fifth guy, but those were, you know, I enjoyed those matches. I was saying the stuff that people really, you know, blew their blew their mo- uh, loads over. Like later, okay. I always thought kind of like, yeah, I don't know, it's kind of some guys throwing forearms against each other. <laughs> standing there. I don't know. Those the, the matches he did with Honmore were still they're pretty sick. So <laughs> I think those will stand the test of time. So I did a pod with the Necro Butcher recently. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, kind of got back to rewatching a lot of Necro Butcher stuff uh, from that period that you're talking about. And, man, that's stuff that really holds up. Um, yeah. Your, your indie darlings work the Necro Butcher matches are always incredible. Yeah, I always like those. Those I liked, for sure. I've, I've, I've always been down with the old Necro Butcher stuff. So, so key, uh, uh, there's a, I watched a Roderick Strong Necro Butcher match from like IWA East Coast. Uh, I've seen that. That's that sounds pretty odd. <laughs> it was it was good. It was great. <laughs> it, it was really good because you know, like Roderick Strong's not a guy with a tremendous amount of personality. No, I guess would be the best way to describe. It. It's like a, but like Necro Butcher is a guy with a ton of personality, so he covers that part of the match fine. And Roderick Strong is a guy who throws really stiff chops, and Necro Butcher is a guy who will enthusiastically have the guy across from him hit him as hard as he wants. So Necro Butcher <laughs> is just like absolutely lacing him. I mean, uh, getting laced with chops and then punching him right in the face and then taking 
uh, backbreakers oddly on the sides of chairs and on bleachers. <laughs> Uh, so I'm trying to think like if you want to recapture, if you want to find your love of indie wrestling from that era, maybe Necro Butcher is your, uh, is your window into that stuff. Actually, an- another one from that, that period is, um, and this was on one of your comps. I think it was on one of the early ones and I, I, it was a comp I didn't have and I was like looking for it for years and I finally tracked it down last year again during the, the lockdown and it's the uh the nigerian nightmares versus the heavy hitters and i was always like very curious about that match and i finally watched it um and uh yeah man that that match is great that <laughs> match is great well your jpw tag matches where guys are going to go into the bleachers yeah the, the hit rate on those is very high and it doesn't even really matter who's on them for the most part but if okay. it's in new if it's in new jersey and it's a tag match, and most of it's going to be on the bleachers. It's going to be good 95% of the time. Okay. And I'm not sure. I, I actually, one of those things after watching that match, it's like, well, shit, I got to watch all the Nigerian nightmares. <laughs> and there's some stuff that's entertaining. Yeah. But <laughs> we're talking about guys who had, you know, great, you know, great sexy star earlier. Maybe a little bit of, uh, there may have been a little bit of lightning in the bottle. Uh, in headhunters, in heavy hitters versus uh, versus yeah, yeah. Nigerian nightmares, as far as your Nigerian nightmares, uh, <laughs> over. But I mean, the heavy hitters, you know, uh, the um, monster uh, monster Mac uh, yeah. is the guy who's you know obviously one of those guys that uh, never you know didn't didn't really ever have a moment on a particularly big stage, but was yeah. a guy who's you know been great consistently for twenty odd years. Um, and a very smart uh, guy, really smart at putting together matches like that. And you can kind of tell that he's, uh, you know, uh, he's sort of uh, conducting the orchestra a little bit in that one for sure. That match have blood in it? I should have that match in my book. I was. I, I don't think it has. If it has blood, it's very little. So, yeah. but I mean, you have many matches in your book with very little blood. So that's true. I, I would just made the the rule was it just had. To, I just had to see it. Yeah. Uh, to count it, because you know, you, you know, I did, I did, I would never when I wrote the book, I didn't think it would be interesting to just write pick the hundred bloodiest matches. <laughs> I mean, it would it would be interesting to a certain fan base. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess there's only so much you can say about some of those, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, that guy accidentally cut himself too deep. All right. Yeah. There you <laughs> uh, go. That was too bad. <laughs> I hope, hope they were okay. Yeah. You know, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if I have a, uh, I don't know how many paragraphs I have in me in, in, uh, for Beulah Fonzie, even though oh. that certainly had a lot of blood in it. Yeah, it sure did. <laughs> I mean, this match, this match is up there. I mean, Phoenix really lets it go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it, this would be upper, I think in the upper half of bloodiest matches in my book. And I've got some, I've, I mean, I have some really. I've got some really grossers in here. I mean, there's a lot of blood in something like Sammy Callahan, Danny Havoc, even, or, or uh, you know, obviously yeah. the Muda match, which is famous for it and, and that kind of thing. But uh, I think this is, you know, Phoenix really, there's some moments where he's just leaning over and it's just dripping down out of his mask, which is kind of saturated and soaked in a really yeah. cool, gross way that I'm really enjoying. I really enjoyed Um so he he kind of he lets it go here. Where does does it bleed? Um, Spin. Yeah, but but Phoenix bleeds enough for everyone. Speaking of that, in the editing aspect, it's he starts to bleed after 
Um, Muertes hits him with that, that ring hook, like in the ring. So I wonder, uh, live, if it was very obvious that he bladed. I wonder if he just pulled it out and bladed himself because he knew it was going to be edited or something. Because uh, it's a, it's definitely a weird, because he's pretty much like right in the middle of the ring and starts to bleed. So uh, I wonder if it was just very obvious live. Yeah, I wonder. I, I'm wondering if, uh, I wonder how much, I mean, I don't, I think they, I, I think they work these like matches. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I think that they had a. They didn't stop and then get into no. a different position or reshoot no. <laughs> moves or anything like that. I think they did work them like. I think the editing was what was done post, but I don't think they were saying, "All right, let's get a different angle on that super oh, yeah, guy." No, yeah, like I, don't, I don't mean that. Obvious. I mean I don't know if he was just like hunched over in the middle of the ring for two minutes trying to blade himself. <laughs> or something. They, they just cut it down to like a half second or something. Like yeah, that. Phoenix is a guy who worked a lot in Mexico. I mean, this is, I don't think this was the first time. <laughs> I, I think I imagine, I, I think, you know, having a mask in some ways, it kind of, you can kind of uh, conceal it a little more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some ways to do like, you know, the mask is over your head and you can kind of just cover your hands and, and make it yeah. look a little different. Um, we yeah, have most obvious blade jobs. I'm trying to think. The uh, I really love the um, the uh, Dominic Garini jo- uh, Josh Bishop I quit match from eight IW, which I was actually at live WrestleMania weekend. Oh, I was there too. We were, we were in the same room together. No <laughs> shit. Okay, that's a great match. I was right Don't, front row. Those yeah, guys were a, really obviously blading though. <laughs> <laughs> I was very very drunk, so I definitely did not notice. If oh. they, they were blading. <laughs> yeah, they were really obviously blading uh, in, uh, in that match. There. And you could tell on video, too. <laughs> Green's just like poking himself on the forehead. It's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, is that the only match in here that you've seen live? In the book? Um, offhand, I, I think so. Because I don't think, I think, yeah, I mean, um, I really only started going to like indie shows in like 2016, 2015, like regularly at least. I mean, I went before that, but it was very random. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think there was, I was ever at any like legendary bloody matches. So, yeah, the only other one I was I was at Homicide Steve Carino live. Um, yeah, but that was the only other one I went. I was at live. I've been seen, been to some, been to a lot of great wrestling matches. Uh, yeah. over my lifetime, but not a lot of like I'm trying to think, not a ton of really really great bloody matches. Necro Butcher Green Phantom from CZW is a really great Necro Butcher match um, that I was at live. Uh, I was at an incredible uh, L.A. Park Santo match in Atlanta, which had a ton of blood on it. That definitely would have made the book, except really there is no video of it. Uh, There's like five minutes, which aired on Japanese TV, of like a 25 or 30 minute match. Uh, was it just for like some local thing? What was it for? There was a point where Gary Juster, who was the uh, promoter, of, like the local events promoter for WCW and Crockett, mm-hmm. ran a series of lucha shows in Atlanta oh. uh, that were like super successful. Like there were thousands of people in the audience <laughs> for these shows. I don't know why he stopped doing it because it felt like he had to be making a ton of money. But there were like these shows where there were like 2,500, 3,000 people. Uh, and then they ran, ran a series of them for a while, and I went to at least two of them. Like, flew to Atlanta from D.C. twice uh, wow. to see these shows, including one that had, like, a L.A. Park Santo match. It was a pretty big arena, too. It was not, like, a gym. It was, like, in a... It wasn't in, like, the, the you know, the 
Georgia Dome or anything like that, but it was in an arena where I imagine the that you know bigger promotions have run shows it, uh, and they really kind of had had like a like a real amazing bloody all over the you know place yeah. brawl that was incredible, and I I would imagine Gary Juster has the tape somewhere. At some point, I tried to pester. Uh, uh, my buddy Dylan, who works for IWTV, I was like, "Go call Gary Juster, <laughs> see if he get copies of these tapes because yeah. he's probably got them." I mean, he clearly recorded them because it ended up on a Japanese TV, but just yeah. like like six minutes of it. But it probably has the whole thing somewhere. I would hope. Uh, and you know, they ran a bunch of other shows that had really good matches on them too. But that was the one that was like the high point of it. So it was very weird. Because it really felt like something that he that should have been a more viable business, but only he only ran like five or six times. Mm. Um, but so that would have been one that would have made it, uh, would have made my book for sure if it had had uh, footage. But outside of that, I'm trying to really remember out of all the shows I went to over my life, how many real absolute bloodbaths I saw. Um, yeah, outside of like death matches, I haven't really seen many. Uh, yeah, and I never was. Rever- I never was. I, I went to one. So this this show that had Necro Green Phantom was the one. Uh, Tournament of Death was my one death match show I ever went to, uh, which was fine, fine thing, but kind of. Why well, it wasn't an experience I was super eager to recreate a bunch of times. <laughs> I just it was it was good. It was, it was good. It, it really is. Uh, you run out of. It really is. It, you kind of desensitizes you. Yeah, yeah. Like going to a show that's all that. I, you think, know, I mean, I think most of wrestling fandom is now desensitized to it, though. <laughs> it's like so natural now to have death matches. Yeah, true. I mean, I, and, you know, yeah. I, I, I didn't. I think if I do a sequel, I'll probably have some more of that U.S., of the U.S. deathmatch stuff. Like of yeah. the current run of U.S. deathmatch stuff. Because it's certainly important. Or yeah. mean, meaningful historically, or whatever. And there's some uh, some stuff that I like good enough that should. I didn't. It didn't when I wrote this book. I didn't end up doing it really, uh, and probably is an oversight. There are a couple. There are a handful of really obvious oversights in the book, uh, which I imagine at some point I'll rectify by doing another one. But uh, probably should have had a Nick Cage match in there, uh, or a uh, Matt Tremont match, or something to I represent mean, I- that era. And, I think that I think the the way it is now is good just because it's like when people when people are gonna look at something that's the bloodiest things. I think uh, if you put like eighty eighty death matches in it, just like you said, if you just put the, the bloodiest blood matches in it, it'd be kind of a cop out. So yeah, is- I mean, I put in one death match or two, maybe, right? I'm certainly not. But the next book's not gonna be seven match treatment matches. It'll be I'll find <laughs> the best one and talk about that. Just like you know, I mean, I could have done a book that was all black. That was all I could have done a book that had twenty five black Terry brawls yeah. from the last six years. <laughs> uh, but instead, I did one. Uh, and, and instead of, you know, like, uh, 20. So, and so it was a lot of, uh, so, you know, the part of it was trying to find a good representative of that moment and kind of put that one in there. That, that black Terry match is another one I, I tracked down due to your recommendation and, uh, before the book and, and that one, that one lives up to it too. That one is you, one I agree on with you. Have you seen black Terry, uh, Mr. Condor from a couple months ago? Yes, I uh, I don't I'm not I'm not a regular subscriber to IWTV, but anytime they have a Zona 23, I subscribe immediately, and uh, that match is amazing. That's one of the best Zona 23 matches in you know the past few events that they've put up at least. 
Yeah, I mean, I would go ahead and say that it's one of the best matches I've seen anywhere in the world in the last five years. So I'll, I'll, I'll say significantly, I'll give it a significantly higher rating than one of the better Zona 23 matches over their last couple shows. <laughs> I mean, we, we had it as straight up our 2021 number one match of the year. On wow. awesome. We just put it right there. I mean, we had a lot of discussion over it. Like me yeah. and Eric went back and forth and we're like, God, we really, because I actually really liked a fair amount of wrestling from last year. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot. I mean, I really liked CM Punk Kingston. I really liked uh, yeah. Kingston uh, Danielson and, and, you know, a bunch of stuff. And uh, I really like Sasha Banks, um, Bianca Belair from WrestleMania. There's a lot of stuff I really liked, but I was like, I don't know. It feels like if you're going to come to my blog and Eric's blog for a recommendation <laughs> about the best match of 2021, it's, you know, why have this be third? Yeah. You know, fuck it. Let's put it number one. I can certainly defend it. And it it's it is represent what it, it represents what we write up a lot more than hearing what we think of AEW matches. It's like, no, nope, here's two guys in there. One guy is almost 70 and another guy's mid-60s. And here you go. <laughs> it's eight minutes long. And it's, you know, yeah. it is what you're going to, this is, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm glad because I think that, that Sadiqa match, a couple years ago like some hype around zona 23 and then it just kind of died and i really think iwtv needs to put zona 23 front and center i need to be getting emails every day about uh what zona 23 is up to next so yeah, i saw any I saw, little bit helps i saw it I, i've <laughs> talked about this before in the pod but i saw sonica live a couple months yeah. ago um uh there's a moment where i really i felt like a very bad father so i brought my son <laughs> i brought my son zach was five to this lucha show. I <laughs> had uh, been to a couple of other ones and enjoyed it really. Right here in Denver, right? Right there in Denver, yeah. And, and I uh, and I saw you know he saw Santo live and still when he was a little younger, pre pandemic when he, he saw Santo and still talked about that a lot. I mean, in the way a five year old will get very very excited about doing something. And then when he's there, just wants to go home. But then when yeah. you asked him what he thought of it, he talked about how much fun he had. You know, it's kind of that kind of thing. Like, you know, so we've been to a bunch of shows before. And so I took him to this show. Negro Costas was in the main event. And Sonica was in this heavy main event. And then, like, while this was going on, while Sonica was... Uh, took, like, was took like an open... Uh, like, a broken light tube and just started carving up this un- sem- seemingly semi-untrained local woman's wrestler to the point where she started going white with shock from oh blood loss. And I'm just thinking, what is... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because it was so... Because he was, like, running around. Because it was, like, really wild. It's like he was getting into it. I was like, ah, we should leave. <laughs> oh, my God. This is not Crazy. good, Zach. Look at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least he wasn't scared. I mean, I guess that's uh, he wasn't scared. Although he did not. The one time I took him to a show where, with the park, uh, uh, where was the the main event was a tag match. It was Anthony Henry and Alex Zane against uh, El Hio de L.A. Park and L.A. Uh, LA Park Junior. He did not like the skeletons. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to watch these skeletons. I'm scared of these skeletons. <laughs> so, so he was fine with Sonica. Yeah. putting some woman in the hospital, but did not care for the skeletons. Those were too scary for him. He did not like the skeletons. And every once in a while, when we, I've taken him to, took him to the shop and he goes, well, those skeletons aren't going to be there, right? <laughs> like, no, nah, skeletons aren't wrestling. I didn't like those skeletons. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's what scared him. <laughs> is, is LaParque's kids. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Mike, do you have any? Do you have you? You said your podcast is on a semi-permanent hiatus, but uh, let's plug anything else that you're doing. Okay. Uh, the one thing I would like to plug on the show because I think it would reach, uh, you know, the people I'm looking for is uh, I over the pandemic, over the the pre-vaccine pandemic. I uh, every week on Twitch, I put together a, a little little comp a wrestling comp called pain pigs and i did about uh, 50 volumes of these and it's you know it's very much in the the old death valley driver vein the old schneider comp vein it's a lot of uh a lot of matches that uh sh- you know should in my book i think you know should be classic matches but maybe aren't and a lot of weird weird shit <laughs> from around the world of wrestling just you know uh sur- survival tobita level weird shit of uh Mexican kids wrestling in a Taekwondo studio, uh, just, you know, just uh dude dressed as the undertaker, uh, wrestling in his garage, just, you know, lo- a lot of odd stuff, uh, a lot of thousand percent Lucha matches that I'm sure you're, you're very familiar with, uh, just stuff like that. And mixed in with like clips of, uh, you know, just wrestler appearances on TV and the news and odd commercials, local commercial stuff like that. It's called pain pigs. And you could find all 50 volumes at uh, tinyurl.com slash pain pigs. It's uh, you could stream them. It's a Google drive. So you could either stream them or just download them. That's uh, there's a match list there. And uh, it's, it's a lot, a lot of good stuff. And I think if you guys are fans of Phil's podcast and everything he does, uh, you will, you will love pain pigs. And uh, if, for some reason you have a trouble with the URL or anything like that, you can hit me up on Twitter at VRTL pros and I will send you the link. And uh, outside of that, as uh, Phil mentioned at the top of the show, I have a hardcore punk metal podcast where we talk about obscure seven inches from the nineties and two thousands called first seven inch club. So if you're in, into that lifestyle, that hardcore lifestyle, uh, check it out. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's gaining some traction. Uh, Got a lot of eyes on us, so uh, so so check it out if you can. All right, well, Mike, thanks for coming on and doing this. This is a lot of fun. For and sure. And we will be back next week with another episode of Way of the Blade.